This is Brian Dixon, author of Start With Your People, and you are listening to Relationships and Revenue Podcast with John Hewlin. This is Relationships and Revenue, the show where real answers come from real discussions about what holds men back in their relationships at home and in business. A better bottom line at work means improving life at home. This show is all about helping you become a better entrepreneur and a better man. Welcome back, everyone, to the Relationships and Revenue Podcast. I am your host, John Hewlin. Thrilled you decided to spend a little bit of your hard-earned time with me today. And as you heard from that introduction, I have Brian Dixon with me today. Brian, how are you? Hey, John. Thanks so much for having me. Thrilled to have you as well, my friend. Now, for those of you who don't know who Brian is, besides the fact that he told you he is author of the book, and I'm holding it in my hot little hand here, for those of you who can't see me, start with your people. In addition to that, Brian is a coach. He's an entrepreneur. He's a speaker. He does all kinds of things helping entrepreneurs in many different ways, but he has two other titles that I am certain he holds most dear, and that is husband and dad. That's right. Yeah, that's where that's what it's all about, right? I, I think that we have we have so many choices today as to how we create revenue and how we feed our family and how we pay the mortgage. And so I'm I'm all about helping people figure out their purpose and and create their profitable purpose. Um, but really at the end of the day, it's all about uh, leading the next generation. And so I'm really, really passionate about being a involved and an engaged husband, married for 20 years this summer. And then we have three kids, uh, 12, nine, and six years old. And it's just a blast to, to try to raise entrepreneurial kids in this opportunity-based culture. It's really, really fun. I like that. I like that. I have one of my three is entrepreneurial. So, so fun. So I understand. I understand. Yep. All right. Well, Brian, what I would love for you to do right now, if you don't mind, is to kind of go back in time and give us a little bit of your backstory, as much as you'd like to share. Mm-hmm. Just kind of tell us where you kind of got your start and what led you to where you are today. Yeah, that's a really good question. I, I grew up as a preacher's kid. My dad was a, a traveling preacher. Every Sunday we would go to a different church and he was also a, co- a Bible college professor. And, and we were living in Pennsylvania and then Northeast New Jersey. So when I was going to fifth grade, we had the opportunity to move to a new college that he was teaching at up in the middle of nowhere, Manitoba, Canada. So I moved from almost New York City to like the prairies of Manitoba. And as a result, I've always felt like I don't really belong anywhere until I discovered the internet, right? Until it was actually for me, it was the South by Southwest conference years and years ago. Um, I think it was 2007. And, and, for me, it was it was always like I wanted to kind of make money and be an entrepreneur, kind of like the American thing, right? The the free market economy, but also love people and I want to care for people, kind of like the Canadian sort of <laughs> philosophy, if you will, like broad stroke common. But but generally, Canadians can be a little bit more kind of community based, um, pr- uh, shared healthcare, things like that. Where in America, it's more of like pick you up by your bootstraps and build your business and kind of pursue the American dream. Canadians don't have the Canadian dream, uh, but Americans have the American dream. And so, kind of growing up in two different, very different places in 400 years, 
kind of made me a little bit of an orphan when it comes to like, where is it that I find my place? And I truly found my place on the internet as an entrepreneur. And so I, I, I grew up, went to school, became a teacher. And as I became a teacher, I started to find problems in the education system. For example, teachers don't know how to use technology. Let me create some training to help teachers with technology. Uh, kids are really unengaged. Let me create engaging lesson plans and engaging video content. And so my, my sort of philosophy of life is let's go find problems that we can solve and then get paid to be able to help people move forward. And I think that's what entrepreneurs do. So I was kind of a born entrepreneur. Um, and I absolutely love helping people now figure out their message. I believe that you have a message to share and an audience to serve. And when you figure that out, uh, it, it is a lot of fun and also can be very, very profitable. Mm, for sure. For sure. Now, you have another part of your story that's very interesting. It's the... Um, now, you know I can't get through an interview without asking this question about your near-death experience. Yes. So let's talk about that for just a minute because that, um, from everything that I know about you, mm -hmm. was every bit as formative as those experiences you had in the Northeast as well as in Canada that helped shape who you are today. That's right. Yes, I was a, a freshman in, in college, actually, like it's this little Bible college that I ended up going to in, in Canada. And I was the the worship leader, right? The, 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 the guy who like leads the songs for the, for the chapel services. And because it was a Bible college, our, our school once a year would take a day off of school and have what was called a day of prayer. So we would, we would kind of pause all the classes and we would go to a, a church maybe 20 minutes away and we'd take the whole day and just kind of pray for the college, our country and our community. And so my job was to get up early, get, get in the car with the van, with the, with the band, get in the, the band van and drive and, and get set up. And uh, because of a freak rainstorm that night, middle, middle of February in Canada, which doesn't rain, right? It's supposed to be snowing or ice, um, but, but un unseasonably warm temperatures. We had a rainstorm the night before. And so we tried to start the van and because it knocked out the power in Canada, we have these uh, um, car warmers, right? That keeps the car warm so that you can start the car. Well, that, that had died and so that didn't work. So we couldn't get in the van. So instead we get in my little car, I had this little fiberglass Buick Skyhawk, this like little kind of sports car. And so I get in there, my bass player and three of the singers in our band, we hop in the car and we, and, and all the instruments were in the van and they were going to figure out how to start the van because we needed to go get set up and, and get started at the church. So we, so we get in the car, I'm driving and we're heading down the road and we're about to cross like the major highway, uh, off of the, off of the long, uh, college driveway sort of entry road. And I start braking, hitting the brakes to stop before you get to the, the, the highway. Um, and nothing like the brakes didn't work. And I'm, I mean, we're playing music and we're talking and stuff and I'm, I'm pressing the brakes and it's like, the brakes aren't working. Like what, what's going on? And then I realized that the, the road hadn't been salted at all because the power had gone out. And so we were just on a sheet of ice, black ice, right? And we just start just, just skidding. And I'm trying to stop and I'm trying to turn and I'm, I try to turn the car off like everything you could do in probably about eight seconds to not go immediately into the middle of the highway. And so as I wasn't able to do anything, I, I tried and, and I, we skid right onto the, onto the highway. 
uh, onto the interstate highway, if you will. And, and another car was doing exactly the same thing, coming down the highway, trying to stop and couldn't. And so we, we got T-boned. So I was the driver. So I went right in the middle of the highway. I leaned over towards the middle of the car, kind of bracing for impact. And we got just hit highway speed uh, right into my driver's side door. I closed my eyes and I just figured I would open my eyes in heaven. Like that was it. That was, that was the end of my life. I was 18 years old, freshman, freshman in college. So I, I kind of clenched my fists. I closed my eyes. I leaned in the middle of the car, closed my eyes and boom, just impact. I, I didn't even hear the impact. Like I, I guess, I, I don't know that we could, we could diagnose why, but I, I don't <laughs> remember a sound of the impact itself. Mm-hmm. And what, what felt like minutes later, but probably was a few seconds later, I opened my eyes and I thought I would see, I don't know, a palace or, or streets of gold, like have whatever you picture heaven to be. Right. Mm-hmm. I thought I would be like in heaven. And instead I saw my hands and I looked at my hands and it was just like, whoa, like my hands. And I, I remember opening and closing my fingers and just looking at them in, in awe and going, whoa, like I'm still alive and my hands work. And then it was a real prayer of dedication in that moment of, of a second chance. I was given a second chance as an 18 year old. So I think a lot of kids that grew up in the church we, we sort of live the life that we think our parents want us to live. And then we sort of live the life that we secretly want to live. And we sort of have this like a double life, but they say, what's the saying? A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And so I kind of had a bit of that, right? There was a, there was, there was a girlfriend that, that we were, you know, not, not necessarily living in integrity. There was, there was, there was some relationships that were a little broken. There were things like that, even though on the surface, I look like I had it all together. In fact, there was a crack in the foundation. And in that moment, I realized this is a second chance to make things right. And so I, in, in this trauma of a car accident, I had this little prayer of like, Lord, this is your life. My, I died. I, I should have died. I did die. I'm, I'm gone. This is now your life. How can I, how can I use these hands for you? And, and after sort of that little prayer of dedication, then it all came rushing in. The sound of the screaming of the people that were still stuck in the car, they were trying to get out, they had to break a window to get out. And I saw the crumpled dashboard and the, and the windshield was smashed. And then I tried to move. And at that moment, all the pain of 26 breaks in my hip and pelvis, all that pain set in. And I was actually stuck in the car for an hour or two. They'd use the jaws of life to get me out. Um, three doctors told me I'd never walk again and I was lucky to be alive. And what a moment to go through as an 18 year old. Mm-hmm. For sure. For sure. Okay. So, so how do you, how do you go from that mm-hmm. to, um, I'm just trying to imagine what the process was like just to be able to walk, let mm-hmm. alone become the guy who sees the problems go goes out specifically and finds problems right. in order to create solutions for them yes so so how did you go about doing that yeah it it wasn't it wasn't overnight because i, I was still 18 years old right it wasn't it wasn't that i was in my 40s immediately and kind of had had a good perspective i still had a very what do they say youth is wasted on the young so uh-huh. was, i right it was it was still i was still trying to figure things out but in my mind it was we need to take the band to the next level. Like we need to um, 
tour. We need to record more songs. I was, I was the, the worship band that I was part of also kind of did our own albums and our own, own music. And so I really doubled down on the band. And if anything, I got more intense because I thought, guys, this is our last chance. This is this, we have to play at that summer festival. We have to book that gig. We have to record that record. And so I went really hyper intense um, to the point that I actually overcorrected. And, and I think, and I think focus so much on the, the outcome and on the results. And as a result, I, I burned out a lot of relationships. And so I remember this was two years later, I graduated college in three years. So two years later, graduating from college and, um, and the band that I had put all my hope into said, we're done, we're done, we're graduating, we're done. And so they quit and I was left with a big dream and no plan. And at that moment, I really uh, had had another kind of God experience of, of why am I here and, and really figured out that what I love doing is inspiring others. And it's not out about my own name. I mean, my name is on posters and stuff, playing concerts. And I just looked at it and I was like, that's not what this is about. So I decided to go become a teacher and, and go study education. I, I ended up getting a master's degree in, in education. And from the first classroom experience, when I walked in there, I remember I walked into this uh, second grade math classroom. By this time I'd moved down to the South where my parents were living in, in Columbia, South Carolina. And I walked into a, a, a math classroom, second grade math classroom in a, in a really uh, poor district, uh, um, school district. To the point, so like the, the school was falling apart so much that they closed the school the following year. So I, I, I was there the last year the school was still open. And I walked in, to, uh, it's October. And, uh, and so school starts August, September, right? So, so school would have been in session for at least a few, a few months. And I, I walk in as a, as a practice teacher and there were three computers in the back of the classroom that hadn't even been uh, uh, taken out of the boxes yet. Wow. So they had the resources, but they didn't have the teacher who wanted to do what needed to be done in order to provide for the kids. And so I saw that as my mission. Like I can plug the computers in. So I asked for permission. She said, sure, I'll plug the computers in. And then after recess, the kids came into the classroom and they, were, they, they had turned from uh, bored and, and, and you know, not, not excited about learning to like, well, I wanna, like, can we go use those computers? <laughs> so that's just sort of set me on a journey of like, how can I use my own skills to help others, uh, specifically kids? And as I started helping students, that led to more leadership opportunities, which led to more ideas. So that's kind of my, my journey was like, I have to surrender my dreams in order to see the needs of other people. And then once you see the needs of other people, then you can serve them, which actually leads to you fulfilling your dreams. Sure, sure, absolutely. Okay, so how, how did the transition then happen for you from teacher mm -hmm. to entrepreneur? Oh, I love it. At very accidentally, which I think most, most good businesses are kind of started accidentally because we, we see a problem. And we go, oh my goodness. So for example, I, I drive my kids to school every morning and we listen to a podcast called Business Wars. And right now we're listening to Dunkin' Donuts versus Starbucks. And he, he <laughs> just told the story of Howard Schultz, you know, founder of, uh, CEO, founder of Starbucks, um, who was working for a plastics company in New York City. And they, the plastics company keeps getting orders from this little coffee shop in Seattle. And it's, and it's for co their coffee makers. And he's like, why is this one coffee shop ordering so many coffee makers more than Macy's? And it's like, accidentally, he discovered this problem. And then he went and pursued a solution and then eventually partnered with them and, and launched Starbucks to the next level. Um, 
in the, in the same way, I think what we do is we sort of accidentally find something that helps people. And, and what I call, I call it your obvious magic. So there's something that's obvious to you that's magic to other people. And so for me, my first kind of product, my first information course online thing um, was actually birthed from pain. We were visiting. We were visiting family on the East Coast. By this time, I, I've been married. My my wife and I are teachers, uh, school teachers in in California and San Diego, and we were visiting family for Christmas on the East Coast. And they had an 11 year old son, which really hits me differently because I now have a 12 year old son. So I I now know what it, what that was like. But at the time, we didn't have any kids. So we're we're visiting family. They had an 11 year old son, and he just got his own new room. And for Christmas, he got a brand new computer with internet access in his room. And the family was just overjoyed. They're so excited. They were like, isn't this, such, we're great parents. This is gonna be a great thing for him. He's gonna learn so much. He can do his homework. It's gonna be amazing. And yet obvious to me was red flag, right? Warning sign, because I was a teacher. It's obvious to me that you don't put an internet connected computer with no monitoring in, in an 11 year old's room, especially a boy. But to them, it was like, no, this is what you do. And so uh, we had Christmas dinner and I excused myself and I kind of snuck back down to his bedroom and I clicked one button on the computer. And I'm sure you can imagine, right? I clicked the history button mm -hmm. and what I found completely shocked me. My worst fear was true that, that he was completely addicted to pornography, looking at just explicit site after explicit site on his brand new computer. Right. And, and I realized in that moment that if, if no one, if no one trained my family, how to keep their kids safe in the internet, but I know how to do it, maybe it's my job. And mm. so my, my wife and I flew back to California, kind of ruined Christmas, pretty devastated about the whole thing. And, um, and I went to the Barnes and Noble on the way home. And I just asked the, the bearded bookseller guy, like, where's your internet safety section? And, uh, and back in 2000, three, there was no internet safety book available. And so I said, well, if there's not one, maybe I need to write one. Maybe I need to do something. And so a few months later, we, we took our whole spring break, like kind of broke Christian school teachers. We took our spring break and we uh, set up some video cameras and we filmed our first online program called the Internet and Your Kids Healthy Habits for a Safe Online Home. And it was a DVD, a DVD oh, wow. because we didn't even know how to do the computer thing, the internet thing yet. It was still pretty early days right. and I didn't know how to make the DVD. So I, 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 I Googled it or I probably Yahoo searched it at that time. And I found that you can do uh, DVD on demand. And mm. so I found this little company called Create Space that partnered with Amazon and we were able to load the video onto DVDs and, and bonus people could buy it on Amazon. I wasn't trying to sell it on Amazon. It was just like, this is how you do this, right? You, you, you make the DVD. Yeah. And uh, a few months later, I mean, kind of forgot about it. It was like a side project. And a few months later, I check our bank account and there's a deposit from Amazon. I was yeah. like, wait, what? <laughs> and we had sold a bunch of these DVDs. And so that's really, for me, kind of how I accidentally became an entrepreneur is because I solved a problem already that I already had in my life uh, that other people also had that same problem. Oh, yeah. You know, that phrase you talked about at the beginning, you know, mm -hmm. what's ordinary to you is yeah. magic to others. That's and right. I have used that so many times with people attributing it to you. I love always. it. I love but, it. Uh, Thank you. But yes, it because it it really does connect with people because that's.
it's easy to forget what's normal and natural to us. We yes. just, we, we don't have to give it a second thought. And to other people, it's like, what? And now uh -huh. the way I understand it, or the, the example that comes to my mind most often is I grew up in a car family. Oh, wow. And so in our household, if something goes wrong with your car, you worked on it. That's just what you did because my dad was in that industry and we did it. Even if that meant if he got home from work at eight o'clock at night, we stayed up until the thing was fixed. Wow. That's just what we did. And we, yeah. we never took our cars anywhere to have anybody else do it. That was anathema in our household. You Amazing. did not do that. Yeah. Not, and not so, <laughs> so when I notice things on other people's cars and they're like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, don't you hear that? See, it's just, it's normal to me. I, I just, I can't turn that off in my brain. I, I hear those kinds of things that other people don't hear. And I see those kinds of things that other people don't see. And so that's why when my kids were still here, uh, anytime they were in the car with me, we would have, you know, driving tip for the day. Sometimes it was actually driving. Other times it was paying attention because the car will tell you what's going yep. on with it. If that's you right. pay attention. That's right. I love Honestly, that. it's kind of like our bodies. Truthfully, yeah. yeah. if you noticed something a little wrong with your body in the beginning, well, it's not going to be nearly as expensive or take nearly as long to take care of it. But if you wait too long, it becomes way more expensive mm -hmm. and it's going to take a whole lot longer. Same thing with your car. The longer yeah. you wait, the more expensive the repair is. <laughs> so good. And, and that whole idea of, like, I think it's important for us to recognize what, what are these strategic advantages that we have. So, for example, for you, when you hear somebody's car, you can tell immediately that something's going on. I don't I don't have that. And I'm kind of envious of that. That sounds pretty awesome. Right. Um, you mentioned like health and nutrition are your bodies. Like what's what's sort of obvious to you? Like I, I know we were we were grabbing something at the grocery store yesterday and the person in front of me had all these things in, in her cart. That I was like, I looked at my son. I said, like, not j judgmentally, just it just it was surprised me like. People are eating that stuff. Like I didn't know that people actually actually buy it and actually eat it. Like it was, you know, just all the chemicals and the stuff that's yeah. put in the food. And like, our, but our family doesn't. Mm -hmm. And 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 there's a line around the block of one restaurant, but not another one. Like we go to this restaurant, but not that one. Like there's certain things that are kind of obvious to us. Where there's an entrepreneurial opportunity is in seeing what people don't see. And so one exercise I love to, to recommend to my coaching clients is I want you to picture yourself, you're, you walk into a church or you walk into a conference or you walk into a, a business, like where you walk into a room, what is it that you notice that's broken? Now, some people might notice that the temperature's off or the smell is kind of different, or maybe it's not as warm and friendly as it could be, or maybe the music's not quite right. There's something there that you notice that other people don't. For me, I think of marketing and sales. So often I'm thinking oh, yeah. about the customer service. I'm thinking about the branding. And these are opportunities for, for selling a service or selling some sort of a, of a product. But, but for, for others, they might recognize the um, there's no good hospitality or maybe the, uh, the style is a little different. Like you can make a living fixing problems and it gives you a source of satisfaction because you're making, you're literally making the world a better place because you're helping people. Like you, you walk through your neighborhood and you hear barking dogs all day long, something that is happening right now because it's now spring and all the dogs are out. That just bugs me, but I don't have a solution. But a dog trainer would have an amazing solution, like, and now has a whole bunch of clients. So think about what is it that kind of bugs you 
that you could provide a solution for because often there's income on the other side of opportunity. Oh yeah, for sure. You know, it's, it's funny. You were kind of mentioning this earlier, mm -hmm. uh, talking about purpose. Yeah. You know, and what, what I like to say often to folks is many times what precedes purpose is pain. Yes. And I can tell you that's how this particular podcast even came into being. It came from my worst pain, which mm. is my divorce. Yeah. Uh, because I knew there was stuff I needed to work on to get me better just so I could be healthy and whole so that at some point I'd have something to offer someone else. But the interesting thing that came out of that pain, there has been purpose. Part of it has been this podcast, not exclusively, but it's also been in my attempt to help men because there was something mm. about working through all that stuff and beginning to understand that the problem was not the marriage. The problem yep. was us as people and what yep. we did. When those scales fell off my eyes and I could mm. begin to see clearly, man, I could start to see other people, specifically other men and their marriages and seeing the, the road they were headed on. Knowing yes. they were getting ready, they thought they were going to be going across a bridge way down the road, but what they didn't know was that the bridge was blown up Wow! and they're going a hundred miles an hour and they're not going to stop because they don't think it's gone. They think it's still there. Yeah, that's right. And I can see it and they can't. Mm. That's powerful, my friend. I love yeah. it. Pain to purpose to platform. That's right. That's good. I like paint, paint a purposeful platform. I, I often uh, say the problem, the promise, and the path. So mm. what's the problem that you face? You somehow overcame it, which means you're living in the promised land right now. Mm. You know what it's like to overcome from a divorce. But yeah. there's some guy right now that's just on the verge of divorce. And so serving the person that you were three years ago, five years ago, however long ago it was when you were in the middle of the problem, and then helping them, helping him walk the path that you walked. Yeah. And, and once you've done it several times, you kind of create this foundational framework or what I call your problem promise path. And that's really the way that you grow any sort of membership site, online course, what you write your book about, what you teach from the stage is problem, promise, and then the path. And people say, I want, I want to live in the promised land, but I'm in the, I'm in the problem right now. I'm in the problem land right now. And then that's where they say, you're my guy. Like, I want to learn from you. And then you have a value ladder to help them move forward. For sure. Well, that kind of segues in great with us talking about your book, mm. Start With Your People. Right here. There it is. You can see that. So Love it. a daily decision that changes everything. So talk to us. Yes, we, I certainly want to know about why you wrote the book, but specifically, who's it for? Who does this book help, Brian? Yeah. John, that's such a good question. I, specifically, it's, it's for you if there's a relationship in your life that, that feels kind of broken. And I, and I, I, so I, I would say, I think it's for everybody, but mostly it's for that high achieving person who often puts projects over people or profits over people, because that's really my story. And that, those are the, the tools and the exercises that I share inside of Start With Your People are, are specifically focused when there's a broken relationship. And, and each chapter takes a different, um, a different specific relationship. So for example, how do, you, how, do you, how do you 
kind of clean up the mess that you've left at work because there was a tough situation. Now you're just avoiding each other because there's one person that's really hard to work with. Or maybe there's a family situation that you, that you need to kind of process. So there's really practical strategies there. Um, once you start with your people, once you, once you fix those broken relationships that are in your life right now, right, then you're free to go serve other people. But I think it has to start with the people currently in your life. And I think we've, we've all had that friend who sort of perennially, perennially every year <laughs> starts a new business. And okay. you're like, oh my goodness, like, will he ever focus? Will she ever focus? She's on to the next thing. And what's happening is she's leaving a trail of like these, these unmet expectations in, in her life. And I think that's what Start With Your People can really help with. It's like, let me look at me. Let me look at my relationships. Let me look at the people already in my life. And how can I do maybe a little bit of cleanup before I do some scale up? And so I found that the people that this book really resonates with are people that are more entrepreneurial minded, but they realize that um, doing it alone is not as fun as, as doing it together. And so there's some really practical tools inside the book. For sure. For sure. You know, you have a, a another, I'll call it Brian-ism. Uh-huh. And that is your vibe attracts your tribe. Mm, Tell yeah, me about that. So true. Well, this is what I love about being alive today is that you can just be fully you. You don't, you don't have to put on a face. You don't really have to filter at all. I mean, if you really want to grow your social media, just, just say what you would say if you're around a campfire, drinking a beer with your friends. Like, be that person. Be the fully expressed you, the way you are on a fishing trip or the way you are on a shopping trip with the girls or the way you are right after church in the car. Like, be that person, <laughs> right? Be that person. And just tell us your perspective on life because we want to hear it. Like we are able to embrace the contradictions of humanity today. And, and I think the whole point of that is like where we get stuck when it comes to growing our business, when it comes to social media is trying to filter and trying to, uh, um, trying to sort of limit our perspective of like who we really are. And so if something fires you up, you know what? If you talk about how it fires you up, there's going to be other people that it also fires up. Yeah. And, and so let's say you're, you're in this specific business and you talk about how you're so fired up about this issue, this political issue, this cultural issue, this societal issue, this familial issue. Other people are going to say, I agree with you. Yes. And I want to do business with you because I like to do business with people I know, I like, and I trust. And in the same way, a lot of people will say, ah, you're not for me. You're always talking about freedom or whatever. You're always talking about the president. You're always talking about um, uh, trying to be an involved dad. But you don't want to work with those people. Any like Those aren't your people to work with. I, I really think that, that there's enough people because we have internet access. There's, there's enough customers out there that you can work with the ones that truly fit what you're all about. So that's why the, the vibe attracts your tribe. I think the more that you put out exactly who you are. So for me, I'm very results focused. Uh, I'm very kind of bottom line. Uh, I'm very like off the cuff, but also why my audience loves that is because I tell them the truth. Like they know there's no sugarcoating with Brian and that's fine because when they, they come to me when they want the, the, the results. They don't come to me when they want the, sa the sob story and me to braid their hair and, and you know pet their dog. 
but sometimes we need that. And so go get that from somewhere else. If you want business strategies that actually work, come to me. And that's where I think it really helps to just be authentically you. Because when you're authentically you, you're going to attract people who are attracted by you being authentic. If you're, if you're a fake version of yourself, a plastic version of yourself, what will happen is you'll start doing business with people and they'll say, wait a second, you're not who I thought you were. Cancel, refund, uh, no thank you. And that is exhausting. And so we don't have to live that way anymore. Definitely. So who is an ideal client for Brian? Mm, that's a great question. I have several businesses. I mean, been doing this full-time nine years now. So I have several businesses that I'm involved in, but, but my favorite a uh, coaching client or my favorite entrepreneurial venture to to support either as a coach or or a, or a consultant uh, is someone who figured out something that has helped someone and i know that might sound a little a little bit vague but but i i think that it's a it's a it's a product based or a service based business that has figured out a problem like a specific problem but doesn't know how to sell it and doesn't know how to scale it that's what i'm really good at is helping you figure out how to sell it and how to scale it. A lot of people I work with uh, are writers and speakers, but they're a little vanilla. They kind of talk about everything. And so what I help them do is I help them figure out, if you talk about everything, let me figure out your one thing to talk about, your one thing to share. And once you figure out that one thing, uh, then you can really scale. So often I help people kind of at the They've nailed it, but they're, they haven't scaled it. But also the people that haven't quite nailed it, I kind of help them figure that out too. Okay. Okay. Now, as you might imagine on this podcast, we talk an awful lot about relationships and yeah. how to make those work. So my next question is this, what are you doing right now to build up your most significant relationships and how do those impact your business? Oh, it's such a good question. Uh, number, number one, I think it's really about, um, uh, transparency. I think that's right. Like if you want the truth, you need to get it out of the closet. You need to get it out of the dark and put it into the light, right? There's something really powerful about, about having some sunshine on whatever the issue is. And so one specific way I do it, we're recording on Monday. So each and every Monday at 11 AM, my wife and I, most important relationship, human relationship that I have is, is with my spouse, with Julie. So every single Monday at 11 a.m., Julie and I meet with our bookkeeper and we go over all the money. We go over the, book, the business money. We go over the personal money. We go over our financial goals and we go through the whole thing. And so that financial meeting, weekly financial meeting, I avoided for 15 years of our marriage. But the last several, we've, we've started having those and now they're very consistent and that has dramatically improved our relationship because, because of communication. So I'd say that that would probably be the big one. That's also true in my business relationships. I'm a partner in several businesses. One of the best things that we could do is our monthly accounting, look at the books and then have a real conversation to say, why did this work? Why didn't this work? And what are we going to do next month to either fix it or grow it? And I think that's probably one of the best things that you can do is like really actually look at the truth right? Because the truth will set you free. Once you actually look at what's, what reality is, then you can do something about it. For sure. What is one habit that you believe every entrepreneur must have? An hour to themselves before the kids are awake. Okay. Yeah. Wake up earlier, go to bed, wake up earlier. I think, I think there's something about that 
that period of uh, the power hour, the holy hour, whatever you want to call it. But there's there's an hour of of uh, reflection, prayer, reading, maybe even some exercise, get kickstarting your day um, before before everybody else is awake. I recommend somewhere in the five o'clock hour before six a.m. Uh, I think it's really powerful. Some 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 phases of life, some seasons. Often that's even before five. But there's something really powerful if you talk to anybody who's really crushing in a business, especially especially if they're the eight figure plus, they're waking up at four in the morning. Like they're waking up super super early. Um, the reason for it is because the rest of their day is going to be slammed with other people's agendas for the day, and so that one hour, maybe two, but that one hour in the morning is really the only time that you're going to get that's actually yours. Um, my my friend and mentor Dan Miller calls it the rudder of the day. So you've got to set the rudder of the day. Otherwise, the winds of, of <laughs> culture, the winds of your clients, uh, your email inbox is going to knock you off course. So you have to set the course at the beginning of the day. And the best way you can do that is waking up an hour before you see another human. Gotcha. Okay. Well, thank you for that. That's helpful. You're welcome. Uh, before we get to the final four, uh, let us know if someone says, hey, I'm really digging Brian. I like yeah. what he's into. Uh, I'm feeling that vibe that we were talking love about before. Yeah. So I'm thinking I might want to be a part of Brian's tribe. How do people find you? Oh, great. Great question, John. Easiest way is just my name.com, briandixon.com. Uh, it's the easiest way. There's a few different ways to work with me uh, on there. Uh, I'd love to, I'd love to hear from you. If you, if you heard me on the relationships and revenue podcast, send me a DM, send me a DM and just let me know, Hey, this is what I heard. This is what I'm going to do about it. Um, where they say education without implementation is just entertainment. And although this has been a great conversation, this hasn't been a comedy show, right? Right. This really is about transfer life transformation. And the only way for you to have results that are different is for you to do something different. So, so as something as a result of something either John or I said today, go do it, like do something with it and then send me a DM or send me an email off my website and let me know what you did. I mean, that would make my day more than anything else. Sure. Definitely do that. All right. So now we're going to jump right into the final four. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's go. All right. Here we go. Question number one. And I think it's probably by far the hardest of the four. Why did God create Brian? To know him and glorify him. All right. Succinct to the point. I like that. Question two. What are you doing, reading, or listening to right now that's helping you grow? Uh, several things. But probably the, the one thing right now is, is we have a, a whiteboard calendar in the basement. And, and my son, 12-year-old son and I wake up every morning and we work out and we're playing the game of don't break the chain where we have to work out every single day. So we have a subscription to a workout program. We play one of the videos, we do the video and then we write it down. And, and now we're recording this in April. And so when we look at the calendar now, January is completely full. February is completely full. March, mostly full. There were a couple of times that we broke the chain, but we got it started again. Now we're going to fill up April. So something about that don't break the chain uh, philosophy can be applied to anything. But for me, as I get older, specifically working out in the morning, that's what's really helping me grow. Nice. Okay. Question three, what do you do for fun? this. <laughs> yeah, there's an old uh, James Mishner quote uh, that I heard from from our mutual friend Dan Miller years ago. And he said, the master in the art of living, 
does not have a separation between uh, his work and his life. And I, I really think that that's the, age, the day and age we live in now is being able to do work that you love. And so I love doing interviews. I love speaking. I love coaching. I love writing. And I also get paid doing those things. Now, it, it took some big shifts in life and some big risks in order to do that. Um, but this is 100% what I do, what I do for fun and also what I do for work. Gotcha. All right. And what are you most grateful for? Oh, every, every breath. <laughs> mm. I, I, I think probably I'd, I'd, I'd use the word opportunity. Mm. We have never lived in a better time in human history. It doesn't matter if the gas prices feel a little high or the taxation bills a little high or the culture is a little too woke or whatever the issue is. 2022 is an incredible time, a credible time to be alive. Think about what you can do. I know you've started talking about some NFTs and crypto and all that. Like there are really cool things coming, but there's amazing things here today. The freedom that we have to do work we love, to work with people that we love, to help them live a life they love and get paid ridiculous amounts for that uh, in an ethical way has never happened the same level um, in the history of the world. And so I'm so grateful uh, to be alive today. Oh, yeah. And one last bonus question. And it's only because I'm curious more than anything. What podcast do you listen to? Besides this one, of course. I love this podcast. <laughs> I, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of those really highly produced kind of documentary podcasts, especially when it comes to business. And, and since we have kids, my kids really are engaged by the storytelling. And so our favorite one right now is called Business Wars. And what I, what I love by Wondery and what I love about Business Wars is that it will, um, it will set up kind of two competitive businesses. So for example, we're listening to Dunkin' Donuts versus Starbucks, but we've also listened to Marvel versus DC and Nike <laughs> versus Adidas and uh, okay. uh, you know just all kinds of different businesses that we're all familiar with, but it goes all the way back to who founded it how did he or she start the business? Um, what happened when he died? Like what happened when they went bankrupt? Like it goes through the process of what it really takes to build a multi, often billion dollar company. And, and my kids and I listen to it every morning in the car. And so it's just so fun that they now will have examples. They can say, oh yeah, that's that's similar to what happened when Hagen dazs had to bite Ben and Jerry's. Like, so I love those stories and those stories are becoming part of their childhood. Um, mm. which I think is going to pay dividends uh, for, the, for the long term. For sure, for sure. Well, Brian, thank you so much for your time today. I really, really appreciate it. It's been great catching up with you and talking with you some more and being able to share more of who you are with our audience because I know that they are going to be better because of that. So thank you. Thank you, John. Great job. I love the show. And y'all, if you haven't yet, make sure you leave a rating and review it makes a really big difference for a podcast. So if you love the show, hop on over to wherever you download the show from, leave that five-star rating, leave a review. Uh, I know that that just helps the algorithm show the, sh the show to more people. More people will discover this show, this episode, but also the show as well. well. Thank you, Brian, for saying that. I really appreciate that. And for all of you, thank you for tuning in today. Again, so thankful you decided to do that and you invested a little bit of your very precious time, which I know is a non-renewable resource, and I don't take that lightly. So thank you all for being here, and we'll talk to you guys next time. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening to Relationships and Revenue. I'd love to get your thoughts on the show. Two ways you can do that are to give us a rate and review and or connect with me on social media. You can find me at John Hewlin. 
Thanks again for listening, and remember, passion gets you started, purpose keeps you going. Have a great day, and we'll see you next time. Bye.